Welcome to What They Never Told Us, the podcast where we explore our own personal journeys in the hopes to give you some insight into your own narrative. I'm your host, Sasha, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm your host, Crystal, licensed social worker. Yes, we are mental health professionals. However, we are not experts on anyone else but ourselves. You are the only expert on you. The information shared or discussed on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to another episode, everybody. So for those who are, and I always call them our loyal, our religious listeners, you know that Crystal and I did an episode on For the Fatherless, and aka that is the both of us. Father's Day is coming up. We don't necessarily have anything to celebrate, which sounds so sad. However, we are choosing to celebrate what we do have around us, and that is um, good men in our lives who are amazing examples of what good fathers are. So in this episode, Crystal and I chose three men who are fathers and that we personally know, and they're going to give a little bit of their perspective on what it is to be a dad and you know, a good dad. Also want to say to everyone, apologies for making y'all cry with the last episode. We definitely got a lot of feedback. I'm sorry for those of you who had to pull over to the side of the road or got teary-eyed. Um, but we also got a lot of good feedback about people who were mending relationships with their fathers. Mm-hmm. So it definitely brought up a lot of emotions for everyone. Um, but we wanted to make sure that we just gave another perspective to it that, you know, even though this was our experience, there's still a lot of loving, caring, wonderful men who um, show up every day, um, even when it's challenging, even when it's difficult, even when um, they weren't taught how to do this themselves so definitely um prepare your tissues um just in case i don't want to hear that i caught anyone off guard or that sasha caught anyone well off guard. it's not on it's not on us today it's the guests so no of course of course but we're you know we're the ones recording so uh and then also <laughs> t- take out your notepads because let me tell you Absolutely. Even I was like, okay, I'm not going to be a father, but I'm going to be a mother. And this is still solid, solid advice. So definitely, if you're already a parent, if you want to become a parent in the future, definitely some great advice from our guests today. So we hope you enjoy. Yes. So for the first guest talking about fatherhood, um, Andrew is a close friend of both Crystal and I, and he he speaks on fatherhood uh, in this particular portion, um, but he is—he was not a dad yet. His baby was born uh, post-episode recording, and he's—he's he's going through it, but he's still being a good dad. Uh, so <laughs> we hope you enjoy his perspective. I'm exhausted. Finally, feeling in a better, stronger place um, as the day is getting near of a lot of deadlines. Um, but I had a freak out a few for the last two weeks and feeling I'm feeling in a better place now. So Andrew is actually about to be a father for the first time. Um, so the panic and anxiety he's discussing is is around actually putting this baby into the world because it's here. It's you know, it's in the belly, but it's about to come outside in the world. Not to give you more anxiety, Andrew. You know, if you could just 
speak a little more in regards to what does being a dad actually mean to you and how that's relating to this being your first time and the anxiety that you're experiencing. Right. Anxiety is the right word. Um, and wanting to, to do well and love education, um, fun, family, friends, um, relationship um, with others, knowing how to self-soothe and deal with conflict in a healthy way. So that's what being a dad means to me and being present and not just physically, um, but also emotionally, spiritually, um, and just, you know, and then being able to teach, you know, my child, um, just whatever I've learned and I've done well in life, um, or have, and I'm learning to do so it's, it's, it's a the learning process. So that's what being a dad means to me. Thinking about becoming a father, what did you think about? How did you learn about it? How did you establish what kind of father you wanted to be? I learned a lot about it because of, from my father and I was privileged to have a lot of men in my life that cared about being fathers. So I had a lot of other fathers that related, unrelated as far as blood, but to really took care of me. Um, so I did an exercise with uh, some students that I work with and I was able to, in a few minutes, name about 50, like in two minutes, name 50 men that have helped raise me. And I didn't, and it wasn't until later reflecting, and I'm still reflecting on that, that I realized how the privilege that I had in having that experience and, and all these different figures and saying, well, you know, we're this is, like, this is how you do this, so. That's actually, you're right. I love the fact that you used privilege because Crystal and I did an episode on the people growing up without a father. And it's actually a, a, a quite a high number, especially in the United States. And on top of everything, it gets multiplied, like it, get, it gets even higher when you're talking about people of color specifically. It gets more convoluted is what it is. And the fact that you use privilege is, um, it shows that you understand its worth and its value, right? Because I think that because it's not common, it's undervalued. Right. It's an unfortunate, and and I really struggled with the idea of identifying it as a privilege because I grew up with it being, thinking that it's a right and you deserve that. Mm. And, and then meeting other people that are just like, well, wait a minute. Like you have this and this and this and this. And I was just like, well, don't you? And, you know, um, so I, I feel very, you know, I feel very responsible about providing that for my child that's going to come and thinking about the community that I keep. And as far as, you know, other fathers, other mothers, you know, and having this big community of people that like, 
yes, I am I am 100% clear. I'm going to piss you off. You're not going to like me today or you're going to have an issue with me today. And instead of running to someone who's going to steer you the wrong way, you know, it's just like you got a whole bunch of aunties, uncles, sisters, brothers, cousins that can take care of you. Um, and that's, again, family of... Um, relation and creation, you know, um, and that, and that to me is what's, what's most important, um, that I want my child to know that they're not alone and, and that there's a village. So, um, a literal village, because that's what we need. Because one of the things that I take this idea of fatherhood is in specifically, um, as a black family, Having a healthy black family, I see as a revolutionary act, and and Sasha mm. has heard me say this before, and um, and I think that can go for all families that have experienced, you know, the systemic oppression in whatever place they are, and 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 that the systems and institutions don't want us to be healthy they don't want us to be loving they don't want us to be caring and so do things that that influence that i'm just like no well you know what i am going to do whatever i need to do to control myself from doing stupid things <laughs> disrespectful things unhelpful things unhealthy things so if if I'm choosing to bring a child into this world so that they understand that this like so they can be greater than me. So that I mean, and that's how I was brought up and that's how I feel. That's beautiful. Thank you for for sharing that. So I wanted to ask, do you have any like fears around being a father like anything that's coming up for you I know that you said earlier you were feeling a little bit anxious um, but I guess what have been maybe some of your bigger concerns I want to get I want to get it as right as I can get it and you know in listening to your podcast and and hearing your experiences um, and then also the work I've done professionally is that the parental guidance and what parents do and don't do largely influence the outcome of or the choices maybe their children make and so um i know i'll get a lot of things wrong but i am the anxiety is around getting major things wrong i want to check myself before i wreck myself you know so, so that's on the emotional. And then there's also the physical is in like, um, it, it may sound ridiculous, but I don't want to, like, I'm scared of just dropping my child or anybody's child because you can't, like, in, like if you hurt, uninten even unintentionally and well-meaning somebody else's child, that's a hard thing to explain. And so for the long time, I, <laughs> like, I mean, that's more than a hard yeah, I, I, I picture, I picture you giving the baby back like, yo, I don't know what happened. What? <laughs> so it sounds to me like you are talking a lot about the recognition and the awareness. Um, I think that's coming into play for you that, oh, it's not just me anymore. 
right? Because even when you're in relationships, it's completely different uh, because these people are independent and they they can take care of themselves for the most part. However, a baby is completely dependent upon their parents and not to give you more anxiety. I actually think that's a beautiful thing. And the fact that you're aware of that shows how serious you're taking this responsibility, right? But what was or were your first thoughts when you found out you are going to be a father for the first time? Very excited and also very scared for all the reasons I spoke about before. So yeah, I was very, very scared. And then was, like I said before, thinking about how do I get prepared? Um, So handling stuff at work, trying to handle stuff at work. How do I handle stuff with my family? Um, You know, and then thinking about the future as far as finances, thinking about where we're going to live, um, thinking about what schooling is going to look like, um, et cetera. And And then the very, very immediate things as in we had to reorganize the whole home. So having to get rid of things, that I didn't want to get rid of, you know, but it's just like, well, we only have so much space. So this has got to go, this has got to go, this has got to go to to really um, make space for this new life that we chose. And that's the, that's the biggest thing is we chose this. Mm. Um, I made a choice, she made a choice, and it's taking responsibility for that. And I don't think enough people enough men admit that to themselves because it's no mystery mm. where babies come from or how babies get here. So <laughs> it's, 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 it's very clear. So it, it, things need to happen. So to me, if I was like, well, if I'm, and being, you know, middle-aged, like if I'm going to make that choice, then so so that's what mitigates the anxiety for me is being like well yes i'm not 19 years old and just being out here in these streets being reckless like you know 42 years old and saying well this is the choice that i'm making so i need to um again it's it still feels like a lot because of the responsibility but i still need to do what i gotta do so Yes, that was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, as you, you've you spoken about choice, you know, and becoming a father, and you mentioned that you weren't <laughs> running around, you know, when you were 19 making these, you know, uh, choices. How did you know that you were ready to become a father? Like, how did you get to the point where you could make that choice? Ooh, good question. Um, I think it was just being with the right partner to to decide that if we're going to do this now, uh, and that's not to, and I say that because that was the choice, the best thing for me. Um, people make all kinds of decisions around what kind of family structure that they are okay with. But for me, it was, I wanted to be with someone who I was committed to for life. So my life partner, um, I had not found that until a few years ago and then did. 
then it was like, okay, we can do that because I have friends, family, people in, in all my life that just have not, have, have, have felt the negative impact of the rupture of the people that made them um, just not being able to figure out how, so not even necessarily be together, but figure out how to work together to create a supportive, loving, healthy environment for them. So the, so the adultification of, of a child. And I was like, so, so for me, it was about the preservation of a child's childhood instead of having to mm. grow up too soon just because my parents are full of shit, you know, and, and are being petty with each other. So um, what I wanted to be is, is being with someone who, you know, and this may sound pessimistic, but, it's, but I feel as optimistic is that no matter what I feel like, no matter what happens between us, we are not going to let that impact. We're not going to put that on our child. That the child that we decided and chose to create and bring into this world is something that we are going to preserve because they did not ask to be here. We chose that. So we we appreciate you taking the time to to speak to us, Andrew. And I wanted to know if you have any closing thoughts or comments about fatherhood two fathers out there just to love i think that is the it, whether it, it's love of self love of partner love of child it's it's all of those are um what is i come back to when i feel out of control and and feel like i don't know what to do so i can be very broad in, in my thinking, very open, but then there's certain things that are that I'm very rigid in. And what is, is the responsibility is like, this child, you did not choose to be here. I made that choice with somebody else. That's the grounding piece of it. And so remembering the love that made that choice and remembering the moments, you know, um, and the choices that we made and being excited about that, um, it has been helpful and then accepting and appreciating the wide support network of people that help us to to stand up to be the best healthy responsible people that we can be which you both are part of that that whole community um and knowing that without that it, it, you know, we, at least I'd be worse off um, and be less prepared. So in my moments of fear, it's looking at who do, who's the community I have surrounding me and then channeling that energy when I feel that I don't have it to be able to say, well, um, I'm going to transfer that to this child that I chose to bring into the world. And um feel is going to be amazing and has a lot of amazing people to to connect with so i mean that's just even talking about it it, it, it feels like it's overwhelming and beautiful you know you spoke about revolutionary acts earlier but for me 
that dynamic of love, self-love, love for your partner, love for your child. That's a, a revolutionary act, 100%. To think about like having this, like having a life, knowing both of you as mental health counselors and social workers and and self being a social worker and just like we work with people and the the value of 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 life and mm, people's yes. lives and the impact that we have on people's lives is is tremendous like i feel very blessed and extremely charged with doing my best so thank you for being so vulnerable with us andrew we really love and appreciate you a lot thank you i love you both too and thank you for the opportunity all right so you know our next guest is a good friend of mine definitely the type of person i'm like you're whenever (laughs) (laughs) i see But um, definitely a good friend, definitely my go-to person when I need someone to challenge my perspective and my point of view, uh, someone who is definitely a helper, uh, a mentor, someone who I hold very dear to my heart. His name is Hudefa, and um, I hope you enjoy what he has to say. I'm good, man. Life is good. You know, I got up this morning. um, I did my priming, right? You know, I looked at the things that I was grateful for, looked at some things that I wanted to accomplish, uh, looked at my vision board and got up and got moving. So, you know, everything is pointing in the right direction. True north, you know. Right. Can we talk about like healthy, like self-care? So, Hudefa, tell us a little bit about what does being a dad mean to you? Um, I think being a dad to me means being a protector, being a provider, being a teacher and a student, um, being a leader, and more importantly, being a friend. I think I think some people, a lot of people, and my parents, I know for sure, they miss that friendship part. You know, so I think you know a lot of dads and even some moms. It's like, yeah, provider, protector, you know, and then some people don't see themselves as being a student to their children, right? And they miss out on some 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 valuable lessons that come from kids who are just living in nature you know they've been in natural selves and they can teach you a lot just by that so for example one of the reasons why i say that is because when my sister passed away last year my sister and i were 11 months apart we were extremely close and she was the matriarch in my family there's no doubt about it she had seven kids and the way everyone reacted to her passing i mean it was visceral but when you looked at her young her two youngest children seven and eight they live totally in the moment. They're sad for a minute, but then guess what? They're back to playing and doing, you know what I mean? They think about it. They think about their mom, they miss, but then they go back to life. You know, we're the only people who, you know, we sort of commit double jeopardy on ourselves, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like we get bogged down with the idea of something and we allow it to consume us. Kids don't do that, man. They look at it for what it is. They experience it in the moment. They have a feeling and then they go back to being their natural selves. And so that's what I say, great lessons. And I tell everybody in my family, I said, look at these kids because people were saying, like even, you know, my brother-in-law, oh, I got to go home and tell my, because we were in the hospital. I got to go home and tell these kids, you know, that their mother has passed away. They're not going to be able to. And everybody was like, oh, they're not going to be. No, these kids ain't skip a beat, yo. It was the most <laughs> amazing thing ever. 
And I told my family, I said, yo, look at these kids, man. We can learn a lot. We can learn a lot from them about how we should be living our lives. doesn't mean that they don't love her, that they don't miss her. Of course they do. So that's why I say kids could definitely be a teacher. And I feel myself a student to my son because, you know, I watch him a lot and I observe and I get a lot of great lessons from him. I actually think that should be first on the list. And I think that a lot of parents get bogged down by protector and then they lose mm. that that mm. sight of like, let me learn from my, my kid, right? Let me be a student to them. But I also think that the idea of being a student to your children allows for you to see them 100% for who they are, right? Mm. Just children, not your children, but children in general. And okay. that is the healthy part right? Kids are going to be kids, right? Like, and they're going to live in their world. It's not that they got it right in that sense. But I think when, when the adults in the room start thinking they need to show up a certain way and like, mm-hmm. was it your brother-in-law or your brother? I can't remember. I'm sorry. My brother-in-law, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And they start projecting their own stuff onto children and not let them be. That's when you, you, you know, you start getting the lower grade in parenting. Absolutely. This philosophy of yours, like I will say, I feel like I want to take it even into motherhood for myself in the future. Mm-hmm. But how did you, how did you learn to take this perspective? Was it something that you were taught? Did you kind of figure it out along the way? What was your journey? Like, you know, parenting is so broad. You know, there's not like a moment in time in which you learn about parenting. Um, I think that there's things that you pick up along the way. And I grew up in a very large family and I was consistently surrounded by, you know, children all the time. I mean, I'm one of 13, right? There's nine of us that lived in the house together. Wow. <laughs> right? You know, you're talking yeah, about- Yeah, that's a big family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're talking about 36 nieces and nephews, right? I mean, it's like oh we're constantly surrounded. So there were aspects of my parents of my parenting that I learned just through observation, right? When I was a kid, watching my dad do his thing and just, you know, just watching and observing, not knowing that, okay, I'm going to take this, I'm going to take that later on, but just at, what kids do, they learn through observation. Right. And I think there's also an aspect of my learning that I learned just in conversation as a teenager with my friends. Right. And they talk about their families and the things that they like or how some of them actually hated their parents for the things that they did. And so you kind of internalize this and make a mental note like, oh, I'm never going to do that or be that way. And I think certainly, you know, as an adult, you're making a making a conscious effort or decision um, to want to be somewhat prepared. And so I started reading and actively looking for things uh, that would expand my knowledge, you know, um, and what that means, you know, for me about being a parent. I think some of the greatest lessons came from, you know, my own parents, obviously. Um, Some of these lessons came out of great pain. Others came out of very positive, loving loving moments. Um, I had a stepmother who was phenomenal. She was young when she married my dad, because my dad and my mom divorced when I was three. And watching her growth and development throughout the years as a young person was inspiring to me. And she was very good at apologizing for the mistakes that she made. And she would apologize to us. Like she would sit us down and say, I realize now that I made this mistake doing X, Y, and Z. That was such a valuable lesson to me. Not even mentioning the fact that it, 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 it really developed our relationship, you know, um, but it showed me a lot. And certainly my grandmother, you know, she was a, a force in my life. And I learned a lot of great things from her. Um, and, and certainly, and more recently, you know, my sister, you know, who had seven children of her own. Um, and so although, we, you know, we're talking about, you know, fatherhood, I'm sure, you know, if you study the lives of great men, you always see that there's a trail of women, you know, who were very influential in their lives and who influenced them being a great man. And so I learned a lot from everybody 
Um, but I think my grandmother and my sister probably had the greatest influence on sort of helping me conceptualize, you know, this whole concept of parenting. I remember when I, when I had my son, I never forget I was in the hospital and I called my sister on the phone and I said, yo, I got a true found respect for you. I got a, I got a true love and a different kind of respect and love for you. Cause seeing that little person come out of that body and realizing now your responsibility, it's like, wow, I can't believe you. I can't believe you did this seven times and I can't believe you're doing it as great as anyone else could possibly do it with the kind of resources you have. So you said something interesting about being an adult and just kind of looking for more information and, and like, and, and you said it so, you know, matter of factly, like, yeah, this is what all adults do. And I just want to point out that I don't think that all adults do that. And that speaks to who you are and your personality and your character and the, the, the value you place on children. Right. So I'm wondering where that value came from for you. It developed out of pain. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I've, I think I've had this conversation before. Uh, my very first relationship, right? Um, I, I got started later in life, obviously, because I'm coming out of a very strong, somewhat religious family. So I remember my first relationship at 19. Um, and I had no idea. I didn't know anything about relationships or anything. And we 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 were together for like four years. And at the end of four years, you know what she told me? She said to me, yo, you never once told me that you love me. And I was like, because I'm thinking, yo, if you in the middle of nowhere at five o'clock in the morning and you call me and I got to drive five hours, you know I'm there. So like, you know it because of how I show up, but I wasn't giving you what you needed in the words. And that was like a, yo, to me, it was like, wow. So she said, listen, I got to move on because I'm not getting, and it was obviously some other things, but having to let go of that relationship showed me that, wow, I did not have the tools. And if I want to be successful at something, it's like, you got to learn how to be great. We all go to school. We all follow the instructions on what it means to be a good student. Or we in these jobs and we figure out ways to be, you know, the best at what we want. And I said, well, listen, if you want to make relationships work, you got to study relationships. If you want to be a great parent, you got to study what it means to be a parent. And we don't apply that. We apply it to everything else, work, school, and up, but we don't to the, to the thing that's most important to us, right? Mm. Love, relationships. Mm. Nobody studies, okay, what in the hell do I have to learn to make myself better as an individual, as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a sister, as a brother, whatever the case is. This is not learned by happenstance. Like, I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to bring suffering into somebody else's life. Now, I'm going to be proactive. I'm going to get my hand on every piece of material, every piece of literature that's going to help me be a better person, a better husband, a better boyfriend, a better father, whatever the case is, rather than just figure it out as I go along, right? We're banging our heads up against the wall trying to figure it out, but it's like, no, bro, you could have went into this with some great resources. You know, the pain pushed me to really want to study the things that I'm going to get involved in, and the parenting is going to be something that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I better learn how to do it. <laughs> Well, one, I think in life, we should always be perpetual students from the day we, we are born to the day we die. So I think that even applying that to specific situations where we think that it's just going to come to us innately mm -hmm. or, you know, like just have these expectations in our head of what things should be without putting in the necessary work to figure out how to do it, I think is super important. So thank you for that. 
since becoming a father, was there something that was completely unexpected, whether it was like a pleasant surprise or a big challenge that you had to face? What was pleasantly surprising to me was how natural I was at being a father, right? It's like you have all of these thoughts, you know, the fear of the unknown, even having conversations with people. And again, I would ask people who I knew had kids, other men, other young men, right? Yo, what was it? What was it? And, they all, and it's like when I got into it, I'm like, yo, this is cool, man. Like, this is, nah, ain't nothing wrong. What? Like, you know what I'm saying? And you just kind of fall into your lane. It's like, yo, this is, but yo, and all of the things that people complain about, it's like, okay, I can't relate to that because maybe, maybe they didn't want to be followers. Like, maybe they had a different philosophy of life or different values that made them have those experiences. But I'm like, nah, I'm here. I'm up front and center with mine. Like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to, I mean, at three or four years old, me and my son, we were having conversations. Like, you know what I mean? And I enjoyed that aspect of being a father. So it was like all this fear beforehand was really unnecessary, unwarranted. Because once I got into it, yo, it just flowed so smoothly and it became the greatest thing ever. So I was shocked to me, like how easy my transition into fatherhood was. It was almost like I was built for it. And, you know, people will tell you, like, oh, you're going to be a good father. And you're thinking, yeah, you don't know me, right? <laughs> and it's like, now nah, when that time came, it's like I transitioned into this so nicely. Like, I really, I, it, was, it, was a, it was a huge surprise to me. It was a very pleasant surprise. So you mentioned you have a son. I wonder if, in your mind, like, is there any difference between, you know, I, you don't have a girl, right? But would, do you think it would have looked different if you would have had a girl? Absolutely. Listen, let me tell you, I was in the hospital praying to God, give me a boy, give me a boy. Listen, I got six sisters, man. I got six sisters. So I know firsthand, and I have a niece. So my sister who passed, she had seven kids, six boys and one girl. Oh, wow. And I've spent a lot of time with my niece. But I remember her coming to live with me when I lived in Philadelphia. She came to stay with me to help out, and she was like 16. And she was going through it. You know, the emotion, you got to be real sensitive with, with, with that level of emotion, you know. And so for me, I always feared that I didn't have the patience to deal with that. So I was like, God, please just give me a boy so I could be rough and tumble and we can run around and I ain't got to deal with all that emotion, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me at that time in my life, that phase in my life, I think I, when I had my son, I was, I think I was late 20s when I had my son. And so for me, I think it just worked better because, you know, the attention and the level of emotional maturity I would have had to been at in order to really bring up a young girl. I just don't think I was at that at, at that stage in my life. So yeah, it would I think it would have looked totally different. Yeah. So I have a follow-up question. Uh so <laughs> <laughs> you you know you talked about the emotional piece with with a girl. I'm wondering yeah. what the emotional piece looks like with your son. Um though I think boys we wear everything on the outside, right? Uh, and, and so part of that is societal because, you know, we're taught to like, you know, even if it's like when my son gets frustrated, he'll like he won't yell at me, but he'll he'll talk in a way that's like that expresses his frustration. When I, I look at my niece, when she was a lot younger, she just go in her room and cry all day. Like she wouldn't say anything. You know, and so I think it's different in that way. And I think for my son, like I can tell my son and, and I'm learning now that this is actually not the best way even for boys because boys need a level of nurturing that I know I didn't get you know sometimes you think only the girls need to be nurturing it's like no no boys need nurturing too um so I'm learning that now as I'm dealing with my son 
But it's like, okay, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? And with my son, it's like, he might take a moment, but eventually he'll be like, well, you know, I don't, I don't like this. And I don't. When my niece, when she was closer to his age, it was more like, it was like pulling teeth. You know, and she didn't know how to express it. And the only way she knew how to express it was through crying. You know, and for me, and I think a lot of guys, right, it's like, you know, we see tears, we hear crying. It's like, oh, come on, yo, come on, yo, come on, yo, just talk, man. You can't, you know what I mean? And so you have to be a little bit more patient. You have to sit and go through the emotional aspect of it and let that play out. I mean, now as a as a mature man, I, I understand it. But back then it was like, I don't want to deal with those emotions, man. Just tell me what it is. Go through all of this. And it's like, no, that's a necessary process and that person release. So I don't know. We'll see what my son, but right now, I mean, it's, we're pretty good there because, you know, I'll ask him something or we'll talk, even if he's upset or he's annoyed, you know, he'll communicate, you know, and, and I don't see, and I don't know if his mother sees this or not, but I don't see the crying and the, you know, that level of emotion. It's just, you know, we have a conversation. He gets frustrated. He gets frustrated. We talk, we talk, you know, if you, if you're sincere about holding that space for anyone, it doesn't matter what you know, what you don't know. Your job is just to hold that space, right? And you don't have to figure it out or you don't have to fix it. And that's the challenge with a lot of men is that when you bring a challenge to them because of the way we're wired, it's like, yo, you're, the rational side of me said, okay, you're bringing a challenge to me. My job as a man is to fix it. Like, why in the hell would you tell me something if you don't want me to fix it? And that's like, for women, it's like, women, you have a bad day at work, you go home and talk about it. Man has a bad day at work. He goes home to forget about it, <laughs> right? It's like, these are totally different reactions. And it's like, if you don't understand that, then, you know, sometimes you can get, you know, put in the middle, so to speak. Absolutely. Thank you. One last question. What do you think or hope your son will say about you when someone asks him about his father? My dad was my best friend. I hope that I've done a great job where my son can just go out into the world, really contribute and not really. Now I want to do a job where, you know, I'm not even a thought because he's living his life so wonderfully after I'm gone that I'm not even a thought anymore. I mean, that's really what I want for my son. You know what I mean? If I'm being selfish, but I, I would like if, if he, if, if I was dead and gone and I could look back and, and hear his words, just hearing my son say, my dad was my best friend. That that's enough for me. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. I feel like I'm getting... <laughs> like You're I'm not the only to... one. I got emotional when you were talking <laughs> earlier. I was like, yo. All right. I hope that you guys are getting a lot of insight on what it's like to be a dad and a present dad, which I greatly appreciate. Um, definitely getting emotional. As you can tell, Kristen and I were emotional. Our last guest, uh, his name is Greg. He is an amazing friend of mine. Um, I love him to death. He has been nothing but a positive male role model in my life and I know in everybody else's lives. And I hope you enjoy his take on what it's like to be a father. You know, I, look, uh, I'm managing. You know, if I let myself, I would feel that stuff every day because um, that's just the space that I occupy, right? The people who I work with, the job that I do has a way of draining you. And, you know, um, it takes a lot. Um, I have to work hard not to to sit in that space for too long, but I try often to try to find things during my day to kind of fuel me 
and pick me up. I try not to schedule meetings at the end of the day because those tend to take more than they give. <laughs> I try to usually finish with something uplifting. So um, so this is a good space for me to end the day with. Although the topic is triggering, but, really <laughs> but to spend time with you too is a good thing. Uh, well, I was about to say, well, hopefully this is uplifting, but you just answered my question. Uh, so let's just start right away. What does being a dad mean to you? Mm-hmm. Well, um, the first thing is thank you for for uh, starting this conversation, for inviting me to be part of it. Uh, I think it's an important one. It's one that I think a lot about. It's a conversation I find myself having often. But when you sit down and really reflect on it, you know, there's a, there's a lot there. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, and so I find myself even unpacking in preparation for just, you know, even thinking about that. The first question alone, <laughs> it, it's so much there for me, right? I have a reaction to that, even the way you asked it. Um, because you asked, what does being a dad mean to me? And the first thing I think to myself is uh, the difference between being a father and being a dad. And I'm big on that. Right. Because a lot of people sometimes, you know, I'll talk to you a little bit about my history and, and, and the reference point that I have in growing up with my father. Um, but for me, that's what he was. He was a father. He wasn't a dad. Um, for me, a father is, you know, father is a status. Right. You know, you get the test back. Right. You are the father. Right. You know, I know plenty of people who have fathers or who have fathers who aren't there, who aren't available, who haven't been in their life. But to me, dad is like a role. It's like a role that somebody's playing in your life. Right. Mm. Uh, for me, anyway. Um, and so I've always envisioned wanting to be a dad um, because I didn't necessarily have one. I had a father and he was there. I grew up with him, um, but he wasn't a dad to me. And I think you know the distinction if you've seen it, <laughs> but if you haven't, if you haven't experienced that, it, it would be hard to to even place those things separately. I really love that distinction. So you said that you grew up with a father, not a dad. So how did you learn? Because you said that you can make that distinction if you've seen it growing up, but you didn't have that. So how, what was that process like for you? You know, I learned how to be a father. Let me, I'll check that. I never learned how to be a father. Uh, what I learned was what not to do, if that makes sense. The things that I experienced growing up, and, and to speak on that background just a little bit, my father grew up with me. He was always there. But in many ways, uh, it was a, you know, a dysfunctional, kind of hostile, toxic environment. My father had his strengths and weaknesses like anybody, but a lot of the energy and things that he brought to my family were really destructive. You know, he was a, a, a pretty serious alcoholic for most of my life. That's predominantly the energy that he brought to my life. Uh, my father was the bully in my house. Uh, and while I respected him, well, I didn't respect him, I feared him. Most importantly, I remember the energy that he brought to my older brother and my mother. I remember how damaging he was towards them and how although I was the youngest in the house I always felt this sense of needing to protect them and then the flip side of that is he was really when he was sober kind of gregarious and charismatic and people liked him he was funny um and so there was these really interesting energies around me all the time but that was the version of manhood that I saw I remember from the time that I was very very young feeling like it's not supposed to be like this I'm not supposed to feel unsafe. I'm not supposed to hate this man. Um, I'm not supposed to feel responsible for taking care of my mother at getting between them when it would get physical. And so in many ways, what I learned about fatherhood was what it should not feel like. The ways in which I started defining manhood, brotherhood, leadership, and eventually fatherhood 
was in looking at what I experienced growing up and saying, I don't want to be like him, right? I want to be a protector of my kids, my friends, my family, my mother. I want to be a teacher. You know what I mean? I want to be a leader. I want to be a fierce advocate. I want to be loyal. I want to fight for them. I want to be a coach. I want to be a cheerleader, <laughs> you know, for my kids. Um, and I also had this feeling like, and I distinctly remember it as I was growing up, because I always thought about fatherhood. You know, I thought about fatherhood in the context of, I just want to be better than that man that I knew. That's how I defined it. It had nothing to do with kids. <laughs> it had to do with me giving something back, coming from a place of trying to be better than the man that I knew. Um, and so I remember how he made me feel. You know, I remember saying to myself, when it's my turn to be a father, I'm never going to treat my kids like they owe me something. Mm. I brought them into the world. I owe them something, right? That's the role I have to play for them. You know, and after all the things that I've been through in my life and the, the traumas that came with it, the things that I had to overcome, the obstacles that, 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 that I had to face, I also eventually started thinking of fatherhood as, um, as my redemption story, you know, my redemption arc. Been through a lot of things in life. I've been less than good versions of myself at times. Um, seen, you know, reflections of myself I didn't necessarily like as I was trying to figure some things out. But I always said to myself, you know, what I've been through, the damage I carry is responsible for a lot of the man that I've become. Uh, and I wanted to do something positive with it. I wanted to turn that into something that made sense. I wanted my pain to have a purpose, right? And so in that regard, like when I had my kids, when I was getting ready to have kids, and, and even in the leadership roles that I've taken in my life, right? Because I think of that as being a dad, as being a mentor, as fatherhood, brotherhood, um, when you mentor other younger men. I've always thought of that as my redemption arc. The pain that I've been through is worth something. You know, the bad versions of me led to this decent man that I've tried to become, to do better. And so, yeah, I didn't have a lot of positive role models teaching me how to do it. I, I more so was operating from a void or a, a deficit kind of model, right? That like, what I didn't have, I want to be able to provide. Um, and I think that's how a lot of people approach parenthood, actually, if you can you know, sort of corral your trauma. <laughs> you just want to help someone not have to feel what you felt. And I think for me, that's that's been a lot of it. That's where it came from, because nobody, unfortunately, I, even if I had had role models outside of my family, or if I knew how to accept role models outside of my family, I think I would have. But I didn't know how to accept love. I didn't know how to recognize mentorship. I didn't trust any grown men. You know, and I wasn't going to allow anybody to have authority over me because authority was always abusive. Power was always abusive. So I didn't know how to receive that. So maybe there would have been candidates in, in my world, in my atmosphere, but I didn't know how to utilize that. So no, nobody taught me how to be a father. So how did you get to the point where you could officially say, like, you're not just, you know, going through trial and error, but okay, I, you know, you figured out this is what a good dad is. This is what it looks like. Like, how did you learn? You say learn, um, but a lot of it is experimental, right? Like a lot of it is just trying stuff. <laughs> and some of it is philosophy. Again, I've, I've been through a lot in, in life and, and with that has come kind of lessons learned, relationships I've been in, friendships that I've had, some that work, some that don't. Uh, but what I've realized over time and it's certainly part of my philosophy of fatherhood, right, is um, I don't think people really need a lot from you. I really don't. You know, I think about what it is that I missed out on. I missed out on love, affection, safety, 
consistency, stability. And those things aren't really complicated. They're hard as hell to provide, but they're not that complicated. So I started from that space, right? right? Like that's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that people need. That's what I can offer to my kids without having a damn clue of what I'm doing. <laughs> I can be consistently affectionate and supportive and consistent and available and loving. Um, and that's gotta matter. That's gotta mean something because most of my damage has come from not having those things, if that makes sense, right? Uh, and then the lessons and stuff that you teach are based on your values and lessons that you've learned. I've always been pretty conscious. I mean, look, I'm a psychologist, right? So I mean, some of it is thinking about what you think kind of matters, what does healthy look like? Um, and trying to factor that, factor that into like a sort of a fatherhood philosophy, definitely. But I can say the, the, the most of what I've done intentionally, because I've tried to be intentional in my actions in all relationships in my life, um, but certainly in fatherhood, that intentionality has come in the form of like, yo, how, how can I be unconditionally loving, right? Uh, and that don't mean I like everything you do, <laughs> right? But I'm going to um, probe a little bit there. I'm going to probe mm -hmm. a little bit there because I have a real problem with figuring out what conditional and unconditional is. Like, I still haven't figured that out. So how did you, I guess, yeah, I do think that there comes a point in time where you're like, oh, this is what it is. And I, and I guess that's my question to you. Like, where did you, when did you figure that out? I don't know when I figured it out. Uh, most of my life has been stumbling around in the dark. <laughs> right? Even the healthy relationships that I've had have been somewhat accidental. I'm a product of my trauma, right? Like I had to be loving. I had to be nice. I had to be good in, in whatever ways I define those things because I was desperate not to do damage. Uh, and so it wasn't even sort of like a realization of something that I necessarily learned explicitly, but over time, you know, I started to come to realize that like with my kids, especially it's a different type of love, right? Like it's a pure, it's a pure love. I don't need anything from them. You know, I think of fatherhood as a service. Uh, again, I brought these kids into this world. It's my job to prepare them and then they're on their own, right? They'll always have my support, uh, but it's my job to prepare them for the world. I'll do better than that. I've always thought it's my job to prepare them to be in the world without me. I hope to be here for as long as possible, but I need my kids to be ready for a world that doesn't include me, that doesn't include my umbrella, you know, mm -hmm. shielding them. I'm preparing them to be strong enough to not need me, even though I plan to be here. And so when you ask me about conditional love or unconditional love, for me, unconditional love is, um, I'm invested in my kids, but I have no vision for the outcome, right? Like, I don't care what they do. I want them to be happy, strong, successful, healthy, however they define that. And so I say that's unconditional. It's not based on the condition that you do what I want you to do or that you live out my vision or that you're grateful to me in the process. Um, I love you unconditionally in that I don't support everything that you do or agree with everything that you do, but I love you anyway. Hmm. I love you even when we disagree. We can argue, you can go to your room and slam the door. I can be pissed off at what you did. We're going to talk about it later, but know that I love you anyway. Uh, and I feel like that's my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to write their script for them or correct it. Uh, I'll provide some editing if they ask, right? <laughs> um, you know, and I hope that they value and respect me enough to want that from me. But my love is not contingent upon them accepting me in that way. You know what I'm saying? I don't think that that's healthy and it gives me too much power in their world. Uh, the danger I've always felt of me taking too much power in my kid's life 
is when people learn to defer to your power, eventually they learn to defer to other people's power. Mm. I don't want my kids deferring to anybody else's power later in life. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so are you gonna so where can our listeners like get the master class on fatherhood? Where can they purchase? <laughs> you don't want this type of damage. <laughs> you don't, don't want to go through this type of damage. Um no, listen, a lot of what's happened in my life has come through, like I said, through pain. Um, a lot of it has come through trauma and the path to recovery where this stuff starts to solidify. And it doesn't mean that I have right answers, right? But it means that I've had to come up with some answers. Um, you know, look, I, I know I'm going to make mistakes as a father. I'm okay with making mistakes. You know, it's like it's like I tell my students all the time. There's nothing wrong with making mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. You're supposed to make mistakes. In fact, mistakes are good for you. What you got to stop doing is making the same old mistakes um, and at least start making some new ones. Awesome. So what has been, I guess, a completely like unexpected challenge, whether it's been, you know, a great like surprise, like a wonderful surprise or something like, whoa, like they didn't put this in the in the books. Like, where did this come from? <laughs> I, I don't, it's a couple of things. I mean, look, fatherhood is scary, man. Um, my son. Uh, who was my firstborn, he was, um, you know, when he was born, he was colicky. I don't know how much you know about colicky babies. Um, but, um, whoa, <laughs> whoa, right? Because I, I was interested in fatherhood. I was excited. I was ready for it. When I tell you my son was screaming for 22 hours a day um, for about the first four months, um, it was enough to put you in the madhouse. Like it was, it was a lot. Um, you know, I was coming home from 10, 10 hour days at work and throwing a strap, you know, uh, uh, the baby, uh, you know, uh, Bjorn, um, you know, and, and throwing him in there and walking around for hours. And we would take shifts of walking this baby around for hours to try to get it to stop screaming. He couldn't digest anything. We were getting formulas that were like $50 a tin because it was mm. special formula with all the proteins already broken down. It's the only thing he could digest. I was waking up at two in the morning, putting him in the car and driving because it's the only thing that would put him to sleep is the rhythm of driving in the car. And then I would pull into the, the driveway. And the second I opened the door, he's screaming again. Um, and I did this for like four months every day. Um, and, and it's interesting because it wasn't the storybook that you're given about how wonderful it's going to be to be a parent, how exciting and fun, and you look in your baby's eyes and you melt. Yeah, all that was true. That's all there too. Um, but when it isn't easy, <laughs> you know, when it tests, you know, your, your patience and, and your humanity and, and your stamina, um, man, that, that was a serious, serious time. It was then that I realized, okay, I have it in me to be a father because the, the patience that I was showing and, and willing to do that hard work and getting him through and feeling more compassion and sympathy for what this poor kid was going through, as opposed to how crazy he was making me. Um, I was like, okay, okay. I have the compassion in me. You know, I have the patience in me. So I guess to close, what advice would you give fathers in general for those moments, right? For those unexpected traumatic moments or when their own stuff is being triggered because that happens too i think part of the challenge is that most men are not raised to be fathers hmm. um, that that's not necessarily a goal that we're raised with it's something that happens 
Um, sometimes it's intentional and sometimes you're okay with it, but we haven't been preparing our lives for it. Most of us don't have role models for it. And most men don't even necessarily teach or talk to each other about it. I've incorporated fatherhood into my definition of manhood. Um, and I don't know that that's um, always the case for a lot of people. Uh, I've taken fatherhood as a test, um, you know, um, of my capacity uh, to share, to protect, uh, to raise, um, you know, two kids in a world that I found to be really, really difficult without passing on my damage to them, uh, without making it a toxic environment, without needing to live through them vicariously, right? Um, and part of that manhood is being able to own my power, um, give my kids a reason to respect me, uh, and at the same time, allow them to have a voice, which is not something that I learned. Right? How do I empower them to speak up, to be heard? Because it's not about them challenging my power and authority. It's about readying them to challenge the power and the authority of the world around them that tells them they're not doing enough, or they're not doing it right, or they don't belong, or nobody wants to hear what they have to say, or it's not your turn, it's not your place, it's not your right. Uh, and I'm telling them the opposite. Um, so I would encourage anybody who goes into fatherhood to think of it as an opportunity um, to right certain wrongs, wrongs that you've experienced, wrongs that you see, knowing that the world is going to teach your kids lessons. No matter how much you try to protect them, the world's going to teach them a lot of lessons. And so I almost prepare to teach them the lessons that the world won't teach them, right? Uh, guard your self-esteem. Give no one power over you. Speak even when it's uncomfortable. Um, it's good to be able to use people, but don't depend on them. Um, you know, uh, respect is more important than fear, um, and to stand up for themselves when I can't stand up for them. Right. So I encourage particularly men uh, to humble themselves, um, to play the role uh, that you have to play sometimes to allow the woman in your life, uh, to play the role that they can play, uh, and that you do that in mm -hmm. partnership, uh, cause kids need that also. Um, and, uh, and to know that, yeah, no, it isn't going to be easy. Um, but it, it's really worth it. Uh, it's, 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 it's the most important thing I've ever done. And so I try to play, you know, the role of, of, of dad, not just in my kid's life, but in other areas of my life as well. Uh, and it's, it's, like I said, one of the most important things I've ever done. Whew. All right. I don't know about y'all. This episode, this is definitely going down in one of the favorites, one of the bookmarks. Thank you so much to our guests. They were fantastic. Thank you for your vulnerability, your honesty, just for showing up. Like you mm. have no idea how your presence makes a difference in your children's lives. So I want to make sure that you all acknowledge and are appreciated for uh, what you do. And to all the fathers out there, Crystal and I both wish you yes, a happy Father's happy Day. happy Father's Day. Turn up, turn up, turn up, but not too much because, you know, the kids are watching. So... <laughs> Uh, so that was our episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Make sure to follow us at Never Told Us Pod on Instagram or send us an email at Never Told Us Pod at gmail.com. And don't forget to come back next week so we can tell you what they never told us. <laughs> <laughs>